If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 130 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on February 27th, the final episode of February 2022. Another Sunday has arrived. And I hate starting off the show negatively, but my God in heaven above, what a crap week. (laughs) Just terrible. I mean, allergies were kicking my ass up until about yesterday. Thankfully, my voice this week is not hoarse anymore. It's at full capacity again, so I don't have to worry about that. But I mean, just up until yesterday, give or take, my allergies were still laying the smack down on my ass. Everything happening across the world and... In Ukraine, of course, I mean, just how terrible, how awful. And obviously, the utmost of my thoughts and prayers are with those poor, innocent people who are tragically falling victim and even losing their lives to someone who can't be described as anything more than just an unhinged madman, leading a nation whose own citizens are rightfully and courageously protesting their heartless leader, And I gotta pray for those people, too, because they're being arrested left and right for speaking their minds out against their government. Not everybody in the world, gotta remember this, not everybody in the world has the rights that we Americans do to peacefully protest. It's just, it's obviously just a horrific, horrible situation. I I have trouble finding the words for it. And I mean, this obviously isn't a show about those kinds of things, but I mean, this is a horrific situation in which human lives are at stake. And if it gets ugly enough, it can even turn into a global nightmare like one we haven't seen in 80 years since World War II, God forbid. So you kind of have to mention it. It's just a human thing. It's about humanity. Just basic humanity. So all prayers are with all of those people, of course. Just a nightmare of a situation that could turn into a colossal nightmare if it gets much worse. Just terrible. And on the subject of baseball, well, spring training games should have started yesterday. (laughs) So that's depressing. It's also a week later after the announcement of the league and the MLBPA meeting every day for this past week, which they did. And, uh... To no one's surprise, despite the meetings actually being longer in length, longer than 15 minutes like the one a week and a half ago, despite the meetings being longer, there was little to no progress made at all. With the deadline of the season being delayed being tomorrow, the 28th, as we spoke about last week. We're only a day away. And the league... Again, the ones in total control of this is the ones who initiated this lockout and can end it at any time, despite their possible fear of a player strike, announced this past week as well that any games missed will not, not 
be made up. So if they start in May, for instance, let's say they start in May, they'll just go from that point and on and not make up any of the games missed in April. Even if they only start like a week after the original opening day date of the 31st, that first week or so will not be made up. Pieces of crap. I mean, as far as, far as I'm concerned at this point, the season's going to be delayed. They've made little to no progress this past week meeting every day, which we've all said ad nauseum should have been done very near the beginning, even though no one is surprised that it didn't, but that doesn't make it right. They should have been meeting every day from the beginning, that's just the fact of the matter. Or you could have also had even a single meeting before mid-January too, month and a half into the lockout, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> Nothing we haven't been over a million times, but I, just screw it, I'm not getting into it again. I said last week that I wouldn't get into the same crap that's all been said, and everything that's had to have been said has been said. It has been. And I'm also not ranting about this anymore. I've, I don't have any more CBA rants in me. And I'm just tired of sounding like a broken record every week with the same old damn thing. I'll just say that as of Thursday, at least, a couple of days ago or so, and since little to no progress is made, since then even, this is probably still at least pretty close to where things stand now, going into today, and yes, they are meeting again today, and tomorrow for the final day before the deadline is reached, because in the next day, the season will be delayed. But as of Thursday, Jeff Passan said that they were still about $31 million apart on the luxury tax, which, that's really the key issue, along with the penalties for it. $95 million apart, still that far apart on the pre-arbitration bonus pool. About 135000 apart on minimum salary. And three draft picks apart from the draft lottery. Three picks apart. Very similar numbers to those that have been given in these areas for weeks now. Just to show you how little progress has been made in all of this time. Even this past week amongst meeting every single day. Now, the one thing I will repeat, amidst my unwillingness to repeat much of anything else, is that the point in time in which these people will have officially failed the sport and failed us fans is missing any legitimate games. We know that. We've said that. It's unbelievably embarrassing and shameful what's gone on already so far, but the point in time in which they will have officially failed the sport and us fans, just utterly failed, is the point where they miss any legitimate regular season games that count. And now we're only a day away, a day away tomorrow from such a thing taking place. So great job, guys. Great work. Great work. Great job. Fantastic. Unless someone caves by tomorrow with these new negotiated terms that have barely made any progress, I imagine the only way the season starts on time is a last-minute agreement to end the lockout, start the season under the previously expired CBA, and then you have months to negotiate while the season goes on normally, and also the MLBPA in the meantime agrees to, in writing, to not go on a strike like they did in 1994. Because that would also be awful and would still result in missing games, like it did in 94. So it's either that scenario, or one side caves by tomorrow, and they agree to a new CBA and it still starts on time. And so in my opinion, if neither of those two things happen, 
As far as I'm concerned, the season is delayed. And they will have officially, colossally failed us fans as well as the sport itself. And you know what? They'll even fail themselves too. Because losing out on games, regular season games that actually count, results in the billionaires losing out on profit from all the money they make from the games in all the various different avenues that they do. And the players will not receive a full season's payment. Their payment will be altered too. So everybody loses, as I've said already in the past. But the fans the most, as always. The fans get screwed the hardest. What can we say that hasn't already been said, guys? The league locked out the sport in order to focus on negotiating, just to get a new CBA agreed upon, put full focus on that. No one even came to the table for a month and a half. There was less than no urgency before this past week when they finally decided to meet every day as opposed to like once a week or once a week and a half or so, like they've done from mid-January up to just a week ago. And this is where we're at now. Just two days away from March and just one day away from Major League Baseball's chosen deadline to delay the season. So thanks a lot, Major League Baseball. Thanks. Especially in a time with the world continuing to be on fire, with that fire seemingly growing every single day, just saying it'd be nice to have our beloved sport as that joy, that distraction, that fun, to put a smile on our faces amidst all the hardship. But even without all of that, losing out because of greed? It's sad. It's sad to watch this great sport be its own downfall. To watch it be its own worst enemy. Even without all the rest of the stuff, it's sad to watch. How we could have this all back, if not for just greed. And if you do officially miss games, the more and more you miss, the more catastrophic it will be. From the very first game that you miss, and on. So keep up the great work, you blockheads. Major League Baseball, continuing to ruin such a great sport. Owners claiming to be losing money, yet won't open their financial books to prove such claims with data. Trying to screw anybody they can, so they can hold on to every penny and have it grow and grow. Seeing this sport as nothing more than an investment and claiming that this sport, baseball, isn't a good investment. Well, then get the hell out! Sell your team, get your money, and enjoy your freaking life! Bunch of losers! Greed is so ugly. It's such an ugly quality in people. It's so ugly. I mean, it takes two to tango, like I've admitted. But my God, the overwhelming greed on one side in particularly. And if you have a brain in your head, you know what side that is. My God in heaven. Whatever, man. Go ahead. Delay the season, Major League Baseball. Do it. Go ahead. The minute you do, though, not that you care, but you will have officially failed. And the lockout will have literally been for nothing. Nothing. You will have halted every aspect of the sport for nothing because nothing got done. 
nothing. Okay, another week gone by of our pain-in-the-ass CBA update. Just glad to be past that. I dread talking about it every single week, guys. Like I've said in the past, it's really true. Every week that comes around, I dread talking about it like you have no freaking idea. And now we can move on to Yankees matters, which is what we're all here for anyway, right? Oh, really, really quick, before we do go on to anything having to do with the Yankees, just really, really quick, I want to remind everybody, if you have an MLB.TV subscription, if you have the MLB app and you subscribe to MLB.TV or to get the audio, you're paying money annually, as you probably know. I would hope you know that so that you're not just getting charged without even knowing about it. <laughs> but they are planning to this week charge everybody again do the annual charge. If you have MLB, the app, and you just get audio or .TV or both, they're going to charge you again this week. Yeah, the league's going to charge you again, even though there's no freaking Major League Baseball. So do yourself a favor. I just did it earlier myself so I could avoid the charge. Cancel your subscription as long as there's no baseball. There is no need for this league, headed up by their greedy-ass owners, to get a single penny from you when they will not be delivering said product on time. You can always resubscribe later when Major League Baseball returns. But before now, I just want to notify everybody out there just so you're not charged again. And if you are annually paying for this product, cancel your subscription to MLB.TV. Even if you just only have the audio and they're charging you like 20 bucks a year, they don't deserve a penny from you if they are not starting on time, which it is all but certain at this point that they're not. As much action as possible should be taken to ensure that Major League Baseball does not take money that they don't deserve. So just putting out a sort of PSA out there for all my fellow baseball fans out there. We gotta look out for each other because the league surely never will look out for us fans. So we gotta look out for each other. Cancel your subscription immediately if you have one. And don't worry, like I said... If you're worried about getting it back, you could always resubscribe when baseball returns. Major League Baseball returns. There are plenty of other different avenues, of course. You got the minor leagues, you got college baseball, you got international baseball, all kinds of other avenues. But do not pay for a Major League Baseball product until Major League Baseball returns. These people have the audacity to charge regular people on the down low when they're not even giving us said product on time. So don't give them a penny of your money for this. Okay, now, on to Yankee matters for real. (laughs) So you may have heard this past week just about the only piece of Yankees news as per usual because nothing else can happen thanks to our glorious lockout. This past week, you might have heard that Paul O'Neill's number, number 21, is being retired this year as of August 21st, 2022. Who the hell knows where we'll be by then in the baseball world in general, but regardless of what happens, August 21st, 2022, Paul O'Neill's number is being retired, number 21. And it's the first time numbers are being retired since, or a number's being retired since August 2015, when Posada and Pettit were retired, 20 and 46. And a lot of people had thoughts on Paul's number being retired as to whether he deserves the honor or not. And it got people talking in general about the Yankees' retired numbers as a whole. 
So that is our main topic for this week in our social media segment, which we're going to jump right to since, as we know, since our lockout began, there's been really no other news otherwise. So this week for the social media segment in our main point of discussion for this week, it was a poll. I gave you a poll and given all the hot discussion on the matter from this past week about the warrior, Paul O'Neill, simply put, the poll question is, are you okay with Paul O'Neill's number being retired? And of course, I'll read as many comments as I can, like I do every week, even though there's no way I'm going to get to all of them, but I'll do my best nonetheless. Now, before I get to those replies and the voting results as well on the poll, to the choices quite simply of yes or no, as to whether you're okay or not with Paul O'Neill's number being retired, my thoughts. Lots of people were quick to say, after hearing this news, that the Yanks do retire lots of guys. Even too many. A lot of people mention that. And in certain cases, I would agree with that. But there are some that I disagree with, too. <laughs> now, I even said on Twitter a couple of days ago that I have some takes that I'm about to give out that I have about retired numbers that are definitely not going to be popular with people. <laughs> and I'm well aware, and I am prepared for it. Now, keep in mind, everything I'm about to say is a matter of opinion. Okay? <laughs> You're more than welcome to disagree with me. Also, none of this is to knock on these particular players or to disrespect their legacies. Alright? None of it is to knock on them, and none of it is to disrespect their legacies. There's even going to be a part in a minute where, just for the sake of conversation, I give maybe three or four names or so that, if I had to, I'd even consider... Unretiring. Doesn't even mean that I want to. Doesn't even mean that I definitely would if given the chance. Just for a hypothetical, for discussion, on a discussion oriented show, a Yankees podcast. If someone said that you have to unretire three, maybe four guys of all the names on the Yankees retired numbers list in Monument Park, which would be the easiest? to unretire. And none of these names I'm going to mention are easy per se. Just if I had to, <laughs> which ones are most unretireable? If you had to unretire maybe 3 or 4. These are my opinions, so you don't have to agree, and I'm not even necessarily saying that I want this. And again, this is not to knock or disrespect anyone's legacy. All right? <laughs> This is my disclaimer for those who I know are going to take massive issue with what I have to say and what will probably be a very sensitive topic for some. I'm not afraid of disagreements. Hell, I welcome them. But for a potentially extremely sensitive topic like this, I just thought I'd give a disclaimer. And a lot of people may be quick to just call me, oh, a clickbaiter or just saying this for attention. And fine, if you want to think that about me, whatever. Those who have followed me and or listened to me for a long time now or even just for a little while know that that is not the kind of person I am. I'm just saying because in light of all the discussion of the retired numbers talk throughout this week with Paul O'Neill's number being retired, I just thought I'd come up with a hypothetical since people are saying that the system of Yankees retired numbers has gone too far now. I just thought I'd come up with a hypothetical about if you had to unretire numbers, who would you unretire? 
based on some of them that some people have taken issue with over the years. So here goes. I'd agree with certain names that people have put out there, and Reggie Jackson is one of them for me, number 44, who I won't deny played a big role in the championships of 77 and 78, especially the three-homer game in 77, Mr. October and the whole deal, and that is a big deal. I'm not downplaying it. But as a Yankee, and having his number retired as a Yankee, he still only played here for five years out of his 21-year career. When most people think of Reggie, I'd say that they think of him as an A. Yeah, they remember the three-homer game as a Yankee. It's a very iconic day, very iconic moment, Mr. October. Very iconic point in history. But many people throughout his whole career, as far as where he spent most of it, I would say in a lot of people's heads, they think of him as an A. So if I had to unretire one, that's one. Now, these next two... <laughs> I already know are going to be ones that people take a lot of issue with, but here goes. I've even heard some, not many, but some even take issue with number nine, Roger Maris. Since, and again, trust me, I'm not downplaying this at all. I keep on repeating myself with that because I just don't want people lighting me up all over the place for no good reason. Or especially saying that I don't like Roger Maris or I don't respect his legacy or what he did in 1961. I don't want people saying that because it's not the truth. And just pulling that little piece of audio and then taking a run with it. I'm not downplaying this at all. It's a remarkable accomplishment that should be honored what happened in 1961. But outside of 1961, when he did incredibly pass Babe Ruth's famous single-season home run record, hitting 61 home runs that year... Outside of that season, eh. and he did also win the MVP in 1960, as he also did in 1961, of course, when he broke the record, but guys, some would argue, including myself a bit, that there's, there's not too much else on the resume statistically, and I know it's not strictly about numbers, but go look, I'm, I'm only being honest here. Did he have a bad career? No, he didn't have a bad career whether it be while he was on the Yankees or not. But one to have your number retired, amongst all the other numbers that there are out there, it's it's debatable. And on the subject of old-timers, another one that's probably going to ruffle a lot of feathers, another opinion of mine, how about looking at number 10? Phil Rizzuto. The Scooter. Fellow Italian. <laughs> Now listen, upon hearing this one on top of Maris, if you want to throw whatever device you're listening to me on out the window, or you want to stop listening to me because you're so outraged, then go ahead. I can't reach through and stop you. But opinion, <laughs> opinion, chill, and give me a chance to explain. Strictly with his career numbers, not including his broadcasting days. Yes, he did go to the World Series in 10 of his 13 seasons with the Yankees. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of all of it. Again, I like Rizzuto. And I like Maris too. And that 10 World Series out of his 13 seasons, 10 World Series appearances, it's a massive accomplishment. And of all of those World Series appearances, he won seven titles. That many titles is unreal. I'm not knocking the guy. And honestly, those World Series appearances and wins are probably a main reason behind his number retirement, and even his Hall of Fame induction too, which also makes it complicated because 
you know, unretiring a number of someone in the Hall of Fame, that's, that's a tough argument. I get it. But there's even been debates about that over the years, whether or not he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And I guess in that you could include his broadcasting career as well, but in this discussion right here, Yankees retired number, I'm only talking about his career specifically. Again, want to highlight that. But yes, again, because he is in the Hall of Fame, I get that this is a tough thing to argue. And obviously all of the World Series appearances and the seven titles, it's obviously hard to turn this away. Understandably so, I get it. And Phil did win the MVP in 1950 and the MVP in the 1951 World Series. 1950 is the year that he really peaked when he batted like 324, had a 418 on base percentage, a 439 slugging, and an 857 OPS, and a 122 OPS plus, which is by far, by far, in all of those stats, the best numbers he had in all of those categories throughout his entire career. So he definitely peaked in that season, so there's that, let alone his, again, terrific 40 years as a broadcaster for the team, his famous holy cow calls, and I'm not crapping on any of it. I respect the guy. I like the guy. Trust me, I'm being sure to include all of his accolades here, or as many as possible, especially for his service in the military, too, during his career in World War II. I want to mention that, too. I respect the hell out of all these guys. I just want to keep saying that so that no one takes me out of context and just believes that I think nothing of these old-time players, because that's not true. But again, just speaking strictly about his career, the numbers, some have even raised issue with that a bit, saying that those numbers are nowhere near Yankees' retired number eligibility in people's minds, because it's kind of different for everybody, as we've seen throughout this kind of discussion throughout the years. Everybody has sort of different criteria. But people have said that they've raised issue with it, especially considering that there aren't even any numbers left from 1 through 10 now since they retired Jeter. (laughs) So in light of this discussion, people thinking that they're retiring too many numbers, people look at who you could most likely afford to unretire if they had to at this point, which is why I figured I'd hit on this today while on the subject of Paul O'Neill's number being retired. But just Rizzuto's career specifically, just doesn't strike me as a player whose number should be retired. So I agree with that issue being raised by people. 273 career average. Not bad, but... eh. 351 on base percentage. 355 slugging. I know he was a shortstop, but he was very much not a power hitter nonetheless, so that didn't help the slugging. 706 OPS. OPS plus of 93. Only 38 career homers. 563 RBIs, just mainly below average numbers overall. And he was more known for his defense at shortstop. He was versatile. He was a good bunter. He ran the bases well, but, I mean, a good deal of guys did a great deal of those things, along with not striking out much in the old days. There's that too. And he was surrounded by a team for the ages, which one could agree, and many have, that that aided in all of or nearly all of his World Series appearances and victories. He played a big role in the 1951 one when he won the MVP for that World Series, but for a great deal of the rest, a lot of people could argue that. He was surrounded by a fantastic team. Now moving on to others, some have also raised issue with recent years since 2015, like Posada and or Pettit as well despite playing big roles with the 90s and 2000 dynasty, like Paul did, as well as 2009, 
And Pettit also being regarded as an amazing postseason pitcher and Posada a catcher in Yankees history for the ages, so... But people have problems with some of them, and I understand the Pettit one a little bit when you really dive into some of the stats, I guess. But some of the massive performances he delivered throughout the championship years make that complicated. And Posada was an honorable catcher for the Yankees who had great skill behind the plate. He was always very aware. And he remained a Yankee for his whole career, which also makes that complicated. He was a loyal Yankee. And as far as catchers go, he was a great hitting catcher. So there are arguments to be made for Pettit and Posada as well, despite there also being good arguments for the other side as well, that they didn't necessarily have the kind of careers that some of the other retired players did that just seem absolutely timeless and just span generation after generation. But call it recency bias all you want. I think that they had their massive importance in some iconic Yankee moments as well. So it's, it's tough with them. It's very complicated with those two. But again, the ones I tend to agree with when it comes to those who you'd unretire, if you had to pick like three, maybe four, but let's stick to maybe three. The most, like I said, are probably Reggie. I'd especially say Reggie more than anyone, actually. And again, I know I'm going to get plenty of heat for these, but as I said, maybe even Marison Rizzuto. And again, not a knock on any of them. And if you hate me for feeling this way about these three, then that's fine. But again, just a hypothetical. If you had to unretire maybe three or four guys amidst people saying that the Yanks retire too many people and it's just become too much, and on the list, when I ran it down, I'm just not unretiring Billy Martin after what he meant as a manager, especially. Definitely not unretiring Jeter, Babe, Gehrig, DiMaggio, Torrey, Mantle, Bill Dickey and Berra, not Thurman or Whitey Ford, hell no. Then you got Posada, who some took issue with. Now Paul O'Neill with 21. I'm not unretiring Mattingly. Definitely not unretiring Elston Howard or Casey Stengel or Mariano. Then there's Reggie, who I would. And I'm definitely, definitely not unretiring Guidry. And I'm not unretiring Bernie. So again, having gone down the whole list, Having to pick maybe three guys just for the sake of conversation, I guess it's Reggie, Maris, and Rizzuto. And if you want to throw Jorge and or Pettit in there, then yeah, you could discuss amongst yourselves with that as well. Whatever. And again, historic names for reasons even beyond the numbers. And when it comes to Maris, I'm not taking it away from him because his 1960 and especially 1961 seasons were a part of his career and should be appreciated forever. But if you absolutely had to take away two or three guys from the retired numbers outside of those seasons, I guess he'd be one of them, statistically, for me. And not for nothing, again, statistically, Rizzuto didn't really have many numbers to blow anyone away either, if we're being honest. And it could be a bit of lack of attachment on my end because I wasn't alive to witness either of them. They were obviously well before my time. So I could see some maybe claiming that it's a lack of emotional attachment on my end. And many of you know that I understand that baseball is more than just stats alone, and I'm very respectful and appreciative of this sports and the Yankees' history, let alone knowledgeable about both. I try to blend old and new school as much as I can. But regardless, those are my thoughts on that, that no one asked for, just (laughs) for a bit of extra discussion on the retired numbers subject. 
and maybe a couple of guys that I'd unretire if I absolutely had to in light of that discussion. And I definitely encourage you to hit me up on the subject if you have thoughts of your own on it. Because it's it's a tough discussion. <laughs> Trust me, looking down this list and trying to pick out three, maybe four names to unretire was downright torture. Because the Yankees, and you can't hold this against them, happen to be gifted with a great history and a countless amount of iconic players responsible for said great history. Now, when it comes to O'Neill, which is why this entire subject is even being spoken about again this week, <laughs> Paul is a special player. In ways even just beyond the numbers, which even as I highlighted before, I understand even with the other names I mentioned. But even beyond the numbers, which are more than fine in themselves, by the way, for Paul. Career average of 288. 363 on base percentage, 470 slugging, combining for an 833 OPS and an OPS plus of 120. 281 homers and 1,269 RBIs too, by the way, for his entire 17-year career that spanned from 1985 to 2001. And even if you want to go strictly by Yankee stats in the nine years he spent as a Yankee from 93 to 2001, even better. 303 average, 377 on base percentage, 492 slugging, so around 500, combining for an 869 OPS and a 125 OPS plus. So he was solid offensively. And that's without mentioning some of his iconic moments at the plate. How about his three-homer game in 95 when he drove in eight runs? His huge game-tying shot in Game 2 of the 95 ALDS against the Mariners. His often referred to home run onto Utah Street in Baltimore in April of 96. His homer in the first inning of Game 4 of the ALCS against the Indians in 98 off Doc Gooden. His go-ahead two-run single in the eighth inning of Game 1 in the 99 World Series. I mean, it goes on and on. And especially those who saw him play, you know this for a fact, the offensive moments don't end there. And he was also solid defensively overall, especially making some crucial, memorable plays out there in right field. Similarly to how he was right in the middle of some crucial offensive moments. You had the running catch in the 96 World Series to secure the victory in Game 5. The jumping catch crashing into the wall in Game 2 of the 98 World Series. The big diving catch to his glove side during David Cohn's perfect game in 99, just to name a few. And, might I mention, throughout some of these moments, and in general, through some of his time as a Yankee, he played injured. A lot. <laughs> a lot of those great plays in which you even wondered, how did he not just completely shatter that body part? Because you had already known he was injured throughout that whole time. He had fire, passion, grit, determination that you just don't find in many people. Well known for his iconic temper tantrums too, to go along with that passion, which I personally deeply relate to. <laughs> I mean, he just played such a huge role in helping the Yanks win their four titles in 96, 98, 99, and 2000. And he was even in the 2001 World Series in his final year before retiring, when they unfortunately came up short against the Diamondbacks, as we know. He was a vital player on those Yankee teams, guys. He was a massive part of that dynasty's soul, all while accomplishing some extremely memorable moments to contribute to said dynasty. So it's tough for me to have a problem with this. I understand people who are on the fence about it. I get it. But I personally just have a bit of a tough time having a problem with this. 
I only wish I was alive for the 95 and 96 moments, and wish I was a baseball fan prior to 2007, and also just old enough to understand so I could witness and appreciate his dynasty moments from everything post-96, because after that I was born. Again, I understand those saying that the Yanks have retired a lot of guys. I get it. There are even people saying their retired numbers are just watered down at this point, which is why I had the discussion I did before about who I would unretire if I had to. And like I said, there are also a couple of them that people have raised issue with that I've disagreed with, but I also have my opinions from before. And whether or not you disagree with me or agree with me on these matters, then that's fine. But once more, this is not as cut and dry of a topic as some people make it sound. Like I said, it's not easy to go up and down that list and decide if you had to unretire maybe two, three, maybe four guys, who would you unretire? It's not easy. Because the Yankees undeniably have a very rich history filled with unforgettable players and memories. And that's not to be frowned upon in my humble opinion. And quite frankly, I don't think Paul O'Neill himself is that bad a choice. I just don't. I find it difficult to have much of a problem with it. <sighs> so with all that being said, I'm okay with it. I don't really have that much of a problem with it. Do you have that much of a problem with it? Are you okay with this number being retired? Because after my long spiel, let's hear your thoughts. We're going we're gonna to start on Twitter as usual and... Like I do every week, I'm going to do my damnness to get through as many of them as I can, and then we'll read a couple over on Instagram before wrapping up this likely electrifying discussion from today, especially with what people are probably going to think about the spiel I just went on. So let's get to your replies. Wait, I didn't give the voting results, did I? Why do I keep doing that? <laughs> I think I did that last week, too. All right, so again, the question. Are you okay with Paul O'Neill's number being retired? The two choices, yes or no. A ton of votes came in, as always. And of the two choices, the choice of yes was victorious by earning 74% of the vote. So about three-quarters of the vote went to the choice of yes. People are okay with Paul O'Neill's number being retired. And the remaining 26% said they are not. So let's hear those replies. Does he deserve it? Is it deserved? Does Paul O'Neill deserve to have his number retired? First up, we have Tara at ILA Bach RN, and she says, It's about time. I've been waiting for this day. Paul was one of my favorite players because of his intensity and desire to win. This is a well-deserved honor for our warrior. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way, and that's why, just, yeah, that was a lot of the reasoning I gave, just the intensity, the passion, the the, the grit, the determination, unlike much of anybody, and it's, it's just tough to have too much of a problem with it. Spencer at Musician DMD says, I was amongst the 50,000 chanting Paul O'Neill at World Series Game 5 2001. That moment epitomizes how revered he is in the Yankee universe even 20 years later. Besides the World Series winning teams, he was integral to Gene Michaels' efforts to get the Yankees back to the playoffs after a 14-year absence. Absolutely. Yeah, they didn't even see it from 82 to all the way up until 95. They made it back in 95 to the ALDS, of course. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh, and you were at that game? Oh, that's so cool. Very famous moment in Yankees history, them chanting Paul O'Neill at his final Yankee Stadium game in the World Series in Game 5 against the Diamondbacks in 01. Very famous moment. And to hear anybody in these replies to have been at that game, 
to be one of those 50,000, as you said, Spencer, to be chanting his name, that's, that's really, really cool, man. Jill at I Think It Ain't Gal says 100%. Look at his stats. Won four championships and was an integral part of the winning culture. He's not Mantle or Ruth, but he's a different generation and well-deserving. Yeah, like I said even before when I was rationalizing my my own opinions on on retiring numbers if you had to, there are just certain guys that you absolutely can't. When I ran up and down the list, yeah, those are definitely two names. You can't. Those two, Gehrig, DiMaggio, and so many others, you just can't. You can't unretire those names. They're too iconic, and their careers were just too legendary. They just were. So I totally hear you, Jill. At Jeremy Arroyo says, People having a problem with 21 being retired is plain silly. Todd Frazier wore 21 before getting traded to the Yankees, but chose not to wear it out of respect for Paul. No one else wore it before or after that. If no one wants to don 21 again, why not retire it? Well, actually, one person did wear it for about five minutes <laughs> a few years ago. Latroy Hawkins wore it, and he received a lot of heat for that, and so he just took it off and changed numbers. But for about two minutes, he wore number 21. And you're right, though. Other than Latroy Hawkins, nobody else since Paul retired over 20 years ago has worn the number 21. Only Latroy Hawkins for about five minutes. That's about it. So... Yeah, I hear you, Jeremy. That's a pretty good reasoning. At Yankees Libero 7 says, I'm certainly okay with it, but at the same time, I think it's become overdone. Give plaques to special players, but quit retiring numbers unless that player makes the Hall of Fame. Well, I guess in that case, then you'd agree with my Roger Maris rationalization because Roger Maris is not in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, like I said, with people raising certain issues about certain numbers, like with Paul too, that's that's another argument with it. A lot of people don't think they should be retired necessarily unless they make the Hall of Fame as well. And that's why some people may also find it complicated to take my other suggestion out, Phil Rizzuto, because he is a Hall of Famer. The Veterans Committee voted him in in 1994. But there are people, as I said earlier also, who even take issue with that and think that Phil Rizzuto shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. So it's... It's up to, a lot of it, like I said, is up to interpretation. It's, that's what makes it a complicated subject. At Robert K, 081354 says, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, the two eights, 15, 16, 23, 32, 37, 42, 49, done. All Hall of Fame except 15 and 23 should be, and 49. Ring of Honor, maybe? Oh, you forgot Bernie, too. <laughs> Bernie number 51. And Billy Martin, too, number one. But yeah, you meant you didn't mention 9 and 10, so I guess you agree with me with Maris and Rizzuto. Is it possible not everyone will disagree with me on that? <laughs> Listen, I'm sure I'll get some agreements, but I'm sure it's a very touchy subject with a lot of people. And uh, I don't think a lot of people are ready for that discussion, like I did in my little spiel there. But anyways, since you didn't include Billy Martin's number one, I guess you don't think he should be there either? That's an interesting one. At Macro Politics says, Loved Paul O'Neill. One of my favorite Yankees on many championship teams. Deserves a plaque, but not sure about number 21 being retired. So another one saying maybe a plaque, but not sure about the number retirement. There was another comment that said that before. Maybe there'll be more. We'll see. But uh, that's that's an opinion. I, you know, that's fine. Having a plaque is certainly an honor, too. There's no doubt about that. At CC Egan 7 says, I mean, I'm fine with it. But think the Yankees retire too many numbers. 
And so maybe you'll agree with some of the things I said before about if you had to unretire some. Who knows? But you are fine with Paul. All right. At Baseball Card Kid 1 says, I'm a huge O'Neill fan. Loved watching him play. That said, I think retiring 21 is borderline. I'm okay with it because he was absolutely a driving force on a team that won multiple World Series. Would much rather have Nettles get his due. Plaque and number recognized with Maris. But I don't think the Steinbrenner family will allow that to happen. Yeah, I, I think if they haven't done it with Nettles already, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But he definitely deserves some sort of honor. There's no doubt about that. Craig Nettles was great. But, yeah, so another one on the border. Okay, that's, that's what it is for a lot of people. They're sort of, they can't really decide. They're indecisive about it. Maybe yes, but maybe no. There are reasons for both, and that's fine. It's also new, so maybe not everybody's quite absorbed the fact that the Yankees are retiring Paul's number. So we'll see if people come to terms with it more. At Yankees, Lauren says, It's been 20 years since he retired, and the number has only been briefly given out once. The team is afraid a new player will be booed just by wearing 21. It's long overdue. All right, yeah, and you said it. Brief player, Latroy Hawkins. That's right. He wore it for about two minutes. That was about it. At C. McKay, boy Chuck says, I really like and appreciate O'Neal, but are we going to retire every good player? Shouldn't it be reserved for the truly elite? Yeah, that's what you'd think. But a lot of people, because of his contributions and his time as a Yankee, think that Paul, in his nine-ish years with the Yankees, think that he is part of the truly elite when it comes to all the dynasty years. It's tough to argue with, but I understand what you're saying in the grand scheme of things. Truly elite, like Ruth, Gehrig, Mantle, DiMaggio, even Jeter maybe, just barely falling short of 3,500 career hits. And others as well, like Thurman, Whitey Ford, Elston Howard, Mariano, Ron Guidry. You go down the list, those are truly elite. And I get the distinction there, I do. But I also do see Paul as more than just a good player. I think he was a damn fine ball player. Damn fine. But I get people being on the borderline about it. I do. I'm not even overly like, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. As you heard me say before, I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't have an issue with it. But I definitely understand those who are borderline about it. Up next is at Hammerhead Cases, and they say, am I okay with it? Sure. Objectively, do I think it should have been retired? No. Because of who he was, how he lived and died at every at-bat, he personified not just the Yankees, but the fans as well. So I think his legacy of greatness resides with the fans more so than baseball. No, I, I wouldn't totally agree with that. I definitely agree with the fans part. But I do think a lot of that greatness does go with baseball as well, with a lot of the crucial moments that he was a part of and how much of a force he was for the dynasty years. I would say that a lot of that goes to baseball as well. So I don't necessarily totally agree with that, but I also do see where you're coming from. I, I know what you're trying to say. But... I definitely understand your point of view. I do. At Luz Steph says, he was a great Yankee. Yeah, he was. Definitely a memorable Yankee as a big part of the dynasty years. No, no, no doubt about it. At Patty O underscore Bronx says, he is now a Yankee broadcaster and a huge fan favorite. He may have started with the Reds, but he is a Yankee through and through. The Warrior deserves the recognition. Yeah, I even mentioned, you know, in the nine or so years that he was a Yankee, and he did play 17 total seasons, so the rest was spent with the Reds, sure. But the back end of his career, 
the last nine years of his career were with the Yankees, and his numbers in those seasons are really, really good. If you take a look at all of them, if you run down the offensive list and take into consideration all of the big moments he was a part of defensively too, just overall how good of a right fielder he also was, he is... One can definitely say that, that he is a Yankee through and through as well, despite not spending his entire career here. So yeah, I definitely respect that reply, man. I I hear you, and I, and I agree. Up next, we have at SodJohn12300, and they say, Mike, I was always of the mindset that a retired number was for someone who made the Hall of Fame. I think the Yankees go a bit overboard with it. But after seeing the absolute joy it brought Paul and his family, I'm on board 100%. Cheers, Paul. Hey, listen, I understand that. And again, like another reply also said, I guess you'd be on board with my statement about Roger Maris too then. But even outside of that, yeah, I mean, if you even saw what it bought for Paul, and Paul did an interview on it, it was just touching. I mean, he said he dropped the phone, his wife was hysterical, crying out of happiness. You just love to hear stuff like that. And like I said, regardless of your stance on this, Paul, whether you like it or not, because of his time as a Yankee and what he accomplished in said time, is not a bad choice. Even if you don't think he should have his number retired necessarily, there are worse choices to go with out there. Because his Yankee career is plenty respectable in its own right. It is. It is. But yeah, I also absolutely love watching the reactions from the players and hearing about what their reactions were when they found out about such an honor like this. And it just really makes you just so happy for them and their family. So I totally understand that. At Laker 477, my friend Rob says, I'm thrilled that Paul O'Neill's number 21 is finally being retired. The Warrior was my favorite player, and this honor is long overdue in my honest opinion. And you're more than entitled to that honest opinion, Rob, and that's that's respectable. He was a lot of people's favorite player during those dynasty years, and a lot of people do admit that he was a real driving force during those years, and he really was. That passion could carry a whole team, <laughs> let alone his gameplay itself, too, of course. At J.P. Plunkett says, good for him. The Sox should retire 21 for Rocket and 24 for Dewey and Manny. All right, I like it. So even an opposing fan base getting in on this discussion. I like it. So even a Red Sox fan is congratulatory of Paul O'Neill. Okay, I like it. I like it a lot. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I'm 100% okay with it. In fact, I say it's about damn time. Paul was the heart of that 90s team and lived up to his nickname, The Warrior. I never want to see another number 21 on the Yankees. Fair enough, Rebecca. It sounds like... A lot of people feel that way. My friend James at RebirthChaos09 says, Very fine with it. He's the warrior. It was a long time coming. Just for younger people, he was a big part of those Yankees title runs from 96 to 2000, even in 2001 when they came up short. He deserves it, and he's well-loved in the booth and as a player. Congratulations to O'Neill on this honor, and I'll see his number retired. Yeah, and even as a broadcaster now, that's... And I, I strictly went by career numbers. I don't want to act like a hypocrite and say, oh, yeah, it includes Paul's broadcasting career when I excluded that as part of my reasoning for Phil Rizzuto. I'm no hypocrite. I, I don't want to, I want to stay consistent with that. So, but if you were to talk about the broadcasting career like I did give credit for Rizzuto, I will also give credit for Paul O'Neill. I mean, I enjoy listening to him on the broadcast. There are guys in the booth I enjoy listening to more. I like listening to David Cohn more, for instance. I also loved Ken Singleton, even though... He's a play-by-play guy, and Paul O'Neill's on color. But regardless, there are 
a couple of guys who I enjoy listening to in the booth more, and also Ryan Ruko. I don't want to forget Ryan. But I also enjoy plenty listening to Paul. I don't have a problem with Paul O'Neill at all as a broadcaster. So yeah, but definitely loved all around, James. You're absolutely right about that. At AndyT813 says, For a team that has such an illustrious history, the Yankees retire numbers like they're the Diamondbacks. It's embarrassing, truth be told. They're not the Mets. Well, there are a lot of names like I ran down the list before. I mean, you want to tell me the vast majority of those names don't deserve to be retired? I mean, at the most, I'd maybe unretire four or five of them, but not much more than that. Like I said before in my spiel too, a lot of it's the fact that you can't really hold it against the organization for having a, a great, rich history of players too. A lot of those players really do deserve to be retired. And even if you unretire still four or five of them, there's still a ton left who definitely deserve to be there because it's just a part of their history. The Yankees have a great history filled with a lot of great players, a lot of great championships, and just a lot of great things to look back on. And that can't really be frowned upon. What, are you going to fault an organization for being successful and having a lot of successful players who are truly elite? As someone a few replies ago put it, you also can't hold that against them. But in light of that, I take it that you're not for Paul being retired then? I guess that's how I'll take it. All right, let's just read a couple more because I'm pretty sure I've read at least like 20 already. So up next is at Massapequa Parking, and they say, 77% idiots and counting. Well, so I guess you're not for it then. But, I mean, as far as calling everybody idiots, I mean, there's a ton of people voting for these sorts of things, and it's pretty overwhelming one way. So uh, my advice to you is to just understand that, believe it or not, in this world, not everybody feels the same way as you on certain things. <laughs> Up next, we have at Robertino53, and he says, At first, I had my reservations. But when he got here, we had two losing seasons. 93 on, we never dipped. His all-out play had to rub off on the team. His catch in 96, stretching out the double in 97, his at-bat against Benitez, all iconic winning moments. Yes, it does merit it. Yeah, and those are a couple moments that I didn't even include before because there were just so many. Like I said, the moments didn't even end there. And you just helped add even a couple more, so thank you for that, Roberto. I appreciate it. But... No, definitely. A lot of iconic moments that you just can't ignore when you look back at the career of Paul O'Neill. You can't neglect them when having a discussion like this. So you did have your reservations, too, and now you've really thought about it. And that's why I said before, maybe with some people, they just haven't truly absorbed the fact that his number is getting retired yet. Maybe they have to be reminded of a lot of these memories and his great Yankee career when he was here. And then maybe they'll sit down with it for a while, and maybe their minds will be changed or maybe they'll remain borderline about it. Who knows? But like I said before, maybe people just need some time with it. And then maybe you'll be like Roberto, whether you're borderline or against it. Maybe change your mind. Who knows? All right, let's finish up here on Twitter. Let's make this the last one. We have at NYYSportsFan96. And he says, I'm fine with it. Fair enough. Seems like a lot of people are. <laughs> So that's all for Twitter, guys. Thank you all, as always, so much for the interaction. So many of you voting, replying. Oh, can never get enough of it. You guys are just the best. All right, same question. Let's head on over to Instagram. Same question for the poll as on Twitter, obviously. And the question is, are you okay with Paul O'Neill's number being retired? And the voting results on here, even more one-sided of all the votes that came in on Instagram than Twitter. The choice of yes 
was again victorious, this time earning 88% of the vote, almost 90%. And just the remaining 12% voted for the choice of no, that they're not okay with Paul O'Neill's number being retired. 88% said yes. That's a lot. (laughs) All right, let's go first up here on Instagram with Laura Navens. And Laura says he played a very integral part in their championship seasons. He was a top-notch defender with very decent offensive numbers. Yeah, a lot of people would even go further to say more than very decent offensive numbers. But yeah, all around, very important player for those years. No doubt, Laura. We, we've said it. Up next is Tina, my friend Tina, at MountainGal456. And she says she's 100% on board. He was a true warrior and represented those pinstripes with Yankee pride. I know this means the world to him. Yeah, said he couldn't believe it when he heard. Dropped the phone. He was in total disbelief. <laughs> And rightfully so, it's, I can't imagine what it's like to receive that kind of news about that kind of an honor. It must, must be remarkable. Good Lord. (laughs) Up next, down to the final two, as always, is my girlfriend Vic Salimo. And Vic says, I'm okay with it. While I definitely don't think he's on the level of some of the truly beyond elite players like Ruth, Gehrig, Mantle, DiMaggio, and even Jeter, just to name a few, he still led by example with his mentality in his time as a Yankee and played a major role in the dynasty years. So ultimately, I'm okay with his number being retired. It's a lot of the same opinions as me. I, I definitely agree with that. And I, and I definitely do think that he should be distinguished and he should be separated from those who definitely statistically and factually had better careers than him and are just inevitably more elite players than him. That's definitely true, that part. But overall, yeah, I'm okay with it too. Totally agree, Vic. And last but not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom says, I believe that after almost 10 years as a Yankee, he more than proved his love, allegiance, and skill to this team. He played a great right field, he was great offensively, and was known and loved for it as well as his presence and mentality as a player. Right upon arriving, he fell in love and became a true Yankee. It became part of his blood. Now his retired number solidifies the reality and the love he and the organization reciprocated. It's the right thing to be and do. Thank you, Paul O'Neill, for being a name that we are proud to have in our Yankees history. Yeah, I'd say it's a name to be proud of, for sure. And I agree, Mom. I mean, he was a Yankee through and through, as prior replies said as well. And right when he got here in 93, I mean, the dynamic changed, and he was a big part of that, especially in the dynasty years, to almost immediately follow. And, yeah, he just, he fell in love with the organization. He became a Yankee in every single way, and he was a big, big part of a lot of iconic memories in the last 25 to almost 30 years. And... It's just tough, at least for me, to take much of an issue with it with all the reasons I mentioned and all the reasons that a great many of you mentioned as well, which does bring us to the end of the social media segment. And before we end, as always, I just want to give a gigantic, ginormous, humongous thank you to all of you, as always, who interacted with this week's social media segment, whether it be a vote, a reply, and whether I got to you or not does not matter It is always so much appreciated. All of you who really love to get involved with these social media segments each and every week, no matter what it is, a poll, a question, a Q&A, regardless. It's just so much fun. And like I say for so many weeks, I just, I can't say it enough how much I look forward to this segment because I just, I love discussion. 
I love the discussion each and every week. It's always fun. And whether I get to you or not, if I haven't, then just keep on trying. But I appreciate you more than I could put into words, nonetheless. I really do mean that. I may sound like a broken record saying that every week, but I only say it because I really mean it. Otherwise, I wouldn't waste my breath saying it. So, with that being said, though, my friends, that is all for this week's episode, episode 130 of Yapping Yankees. And in the midst of everything earlier in the show, I actually forgot to do this like I usually do at the beginning and end of each episode, so I'll just do it now, I guess. Don't really have a choice. But please remember to follow me on all social medias, my friends. Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is at Mike Scuds. 97. Please also remember to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms that it's available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on YouTube if you're listening there. Leave a review on all the others, any of the other three, whether it be Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Show your love on those as well. And if you have the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 130 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, March 6th, a new month, another new month, when I come at you with episode 131 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and I guess just try to remain as hopeful as you possibly humanly can at this point, because like I said earlier in the show, I guess it's looking like the season is inevitably at this point going to be delayed. But maybe one of those two scenarios I mentioned earlier in the show as well could happen, and we could somehow get baseball on time. But other than that, just if you could find it in you at this point, no matter how hard it is, and cross any fingers that you might have left worth of hope. I don't know. (laughs) In any event, though, my friends, try to enjoy your week nonetheless, and I'll talk to you next week on the 6th, when I'm highly likely to have an absolute meltdown because of the season officially being delayed, barring an absolute miracle. Take care. (laughs) 